Hello and welcome once again to episode 81 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So I see this online a lot where developers in the community want to reassure you that you don't need to spend every waking moment of your being doing development. Uh, so let's explore this uh, a bit. So uh, I don't want to tell you how to use your free time. Like that's obviously up to you to uh, calculate like what is worth using your free time for, whether it's relaxation or learning or doing more work or exploring uh, side projects. So that's totally up to you. But um, we figured during this time we can explore all of those different avenues. So that way, if you didn't know that you could spend your free time doing something, uh, this this could potentially guide you. Um, I think another very important part of this discussion is how much time to dedicate towards work at all, which is oftentimes why I see people like reassuring people that you don't need to do development every waking moment, meaning uh, at least in one part, I don't want to, I don't want to add meaning to the words, but uh, to me, at least in one part, you don't necessarily need to put 12 hours towards your full-time job every day. Um, like you are beholden to them for, I would say eight hours most uh, if you are a salaried employee. And if you work hourly, then you're beholden to however many extra hours you want to put in, um, especially since overtime pay as a developer is uh, very, very nice. Uh, so if, if that is worth it to you, then definitely uh, go ahead and do that. But you're not beholden to the company. They don't actually care <laughs> most of the time about your uh, best interests. Um, as much as they, the people in the company might say it might care, but the, the company mm -hmm. itself does not, it will function, uh, it will function the way it functions and as a non human, uh, entity. So, uh, always keep that in mind. I would go ahead and say, uh, now the calculus does differ. Like if you're full time, as I said, like eight hours is a, is a standard here in the United States, as far as how much is expected of you. Um, that's the difference between part-time work and full-time work or hourly work and salaried, uh, pay, uh, hourly pay and salaried pay. So that's, that's where the eight hours comes from. Uh, that said, you don't have to put eight hours. Like I've seen, uh, plenty of opportunities to p get a full-time job and only put five or six hours a day. Um, if you get the work done, you're getting the work done, right? Um, so that, that's, that's entirely, um, up to you to balance. If your contract, uh, if if you do contract work, then it's obviously a little different. You sometimes have a lot of work and sometimes have none at all. So it sometimes makes sense to uh, pile on the work while you can because you have to um, live through a, a dry spot uh, if if that ever comes to be. Um, I know like our industry as a whole doesn't like to talk about like pricing and stuff out in the open, mm -hmm. I would go ahead and say like, hey, if you're doing contract work and you are a junior, charge $80 an hour. Easy. Uh, you are not equating this to a salaried full-time position. You need to pay your own health care. You need to pay uh -huh. uh, everything, uh, basically. Taxes. Uh, you need to pay into your social security if you care about having that in the future. It doesn't just automatically happen. Um, so... Uh, if if you are on, on the on the beginner end of the spectrum, like eighty is a minimum um, that I would consider. Never do work for less. Uh, if you are on the higher end of the spectrum, I've personally charged like one hundred fifty an hour, 
Um, and this has worked fine for me. Again, I'm not working full time whenever I'm doing this and I have to pay all sorts of extra stuff to, uh, pad that. So, um, like, I guess let us know what you've charged if you have charged in the past for contract work. Um, I'm sure everyone is kind of interested in knowing. So, uh, that, that, changes equations a lot if you are doing this kind of work because you don't necessarily always have free time as a result of this or you have a ton of it all at once right um so uh that's 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 neither here nor there uh and then the last kind of of work that you'll typically see is indie development and indie development is very special because you have billable hours to yourself um and there's no inherent value to these hours depending uh, entirely upon the success of the thing that you are making, the product that you are building. Uh, so uh, indie development is a very special case of uh, take it at the pace that it needs to be taken at if you want it to be successful. Um, sometimes this means working a ton and then not working at all because you can reap the benefits of your labor. Um, other times this means working the same amount just without having a boss or a client that you need a uh, live up to in terms of expectations and things like that. So, um, yeah, all, all three of these different types of works will lead to different amount of free time. I would say in the most, in most cases, when people consider free time at all, it's when they have a full-time job and then they have free time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's up to them to, uh, go ahead and use it for however they want to use it. Uh, so let's go ahead and start there. So Spencer, what do you like to use your free time for? Yeah, I think, well, to back up just a little bit, I think just between all of us in code completion, we all kind of use our free time fairly differently, as far as I can tell. Um, so I think we kind of have a good spectrum of, of uh, experiences. And <laughs> I think on my end, I very much use my free time for me. Um, I And I think this is one thing that I want to go back to as far as like, you can use your free time as much as you want because it's it's about you. I think one thing that I've personally experienced is like a little bit of imposter syndrome between Twitter and also just the people in code completion itself where uh, people work more than I do. And so I feel bad about it because I feel like I should also be working. Um, and I'm trying to like not feel that. But at the same time, for me, it's a little bit inevitable. Um However, I think for me, mentally, I don't have much more capacity to keep working after my normal job, if that makes sense. And so I'm kind of just trying to look out for me. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it, ab it absolutely has like everything to do with everyone's different circumstances, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like and there's no need to take on extra work um, yeah. by any means for the large majority of people. Um, like that you're supposed to just work that and then not necessarily work extra. Uh, uh -huh. so there's uh, like, and I'm sure it's not just you Spencer, but tons of people probably feel this, um, especially if they insert themselves into a community that is full of, uh, people that are workaholics, uh, -huh. uh then exactly. you're going to see nothing but workaholics, but you're not really seeing all the non-workaholics that chose not to just join that community because they don't feel like working all the time. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, I mean, for me, I am financially stable enough, right? Like, 
Could I be paying off my house faster? Could I be, you know, saving a ton more money? Absolutely. Totally. Right. Uh, but it's not a necessity for me to live at this point. I'm kind of in this like happy medium of comfort, uh, but also not, you know, uh, mentally frying myself. And in the past, I, I did do a little bit of contract work like years ago. Uh, when I was kind of more starting out and it was, you know, I, I had my full-time job and I was working on this app for, um, a friend of, of my cousin. Um, and it was, uh, they wanted, you know, they were moving really fast. They were kind of startup E, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, it was a lot of work and between my two job, like that, my full-time job and doing that every day for multiple hours at a time, I got super fried and just like burnt out. So that was, that was kind of a good, I guess, lesson early on that I probably didn't want to do something like that where I was working many hours on top of my normal eight hour day, if that makes sense for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, this is like very specific to the person. Um, but that said, like I'm doing, well, I just started a job, a like a one day a week teaching job at a local college here, which is super cool. And I'm stoked to get back into teaching, but that happens to also be like during my normal work hours. So it's not, I wake up a little bit earlier, but it's not much more work per se. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I'm doing like some vapor work with Ben and his company and stuff, but that's like very much more at my own pace type of thing. Like you're saying, it's like, you for contract work often you can kind of put in however much time you want you make your own me. hours yeah exactly selling point. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean at times like i've had to you know meet a very you know small like deadline of like hey we want to try to get this out to this point but it's not like an absolute must type of thing so um for me that's been a good happy medium where it's like i can i i know i can work more and not get mentally burned out but I don't know if I could work much more, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. that's been my experience. But uh, again, like, it's just my experience. So if you if you're like, yeah, I'm gonna pick up two full time jobs and you know, do all of this stuff. Great. Uh, or if you're like, I, I'm just gonna do my full time job. And that's it. Great. It, you know, you do you basically. Mm hmm. So so if you're not working, working, what what do you like to spend? that free time on yeah um i mean whatever i've so yeah i mean this kind of goes back to our our original idea of of working or uh, of this episode was just i kind of brought up i have like a new side project idea that i wanted to work on and i i think i've mentioned this before but i'm really bad at starting side projects and not finishing them like that's i do that all the time i have this list of so you're really good at projects. starting them I'm really good at starting them. I mean, you know, in like the last five or so years that I've been doing this, six years, uh, I have like 14 side projects, right? And like, they're all mostly really small. There was one I worked on pretty consistently for like a year straight. Uh, but for the most part, they're super small. Like, one is that Vapor app that controls my home speaker system. It, mm -hmm. You know, I've spent less than 50 hours for sure on the entire thing and it works fine for what i need including the very quick swift ui ios app like you know they they definitely differ in scale but like that's one thing that i'll do 
but it's definitely not every day as well. I'm not working on my side projects every day. Again, like it, it's to me, at least mentally, it's almost the same thing as having another job, even though it's something maybe a little easier because I enjoy working on it because it's, it's my app. It's my idea. I want to bring it to fruition a lot. I'm not doing that every day. You know, I'll watch TV. I'll, uh, you know, I was messing with my 3d printer this morning and last night because I, yeah, anyway, whole thing. So I, you know, I, I have 3d printing and I just got a steam deck and I'm playing video games and stuff. So, uh, and I take naps every day. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's for me. Yeah. That's, it's necessary for me to kind of mentally function and not get burnt out halfway through the week. Um, because I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I already need the weekend. I'm, you know, I haven't had any free time. So, um, yeah, I do a variety of things, but it's most definitely not me in Xcode every day. That said, a lot of times I am on the computer just, you know, watching YouTube or whatever, but that's different. So <laughs> you like using computers, not necessarily doing development all the time. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think there's some avenues to explore here. Uh, especially with side projects and the stigma and guilt over never finishing them, which I think is a very common uh, yeah. feeling. Um, and I, I, I'd say let's let's get that out of the way like, yeah. from the beginning. Uh, side projects don't need to be finished. Like it's totally fine to just start one, uh, explore what you want to explore, and mm-hmm. get something completely different out of it than the end result of that side project. If that makes any sense, like it's yeah. not. It's not just uh, you're building it to build a product or a business. Um, yes. That is not necessarily the end goal. Even if you start off with that as like an idea in the side of your head of like it could potentially be the end goal. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you stand to gain a lot more from just starting something and trying it out than either not starting it at all because you're apathetic towards like being able to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, not wanting to push yourself in that direction when you think that, oh, you might not have time uh, and therefore uh, it's going to be harder and harder to keep up with. Um, all those kinds of like negativities that can enter in uh, from mm-hmm. the just joy of building something and being creative, right? Yeah, I, I think that's huge to bring up. And like I said, I don't really finish my side projects very often. And at this point, I'm not really sad about that. Cause I think exactly like you said, part of it for me is just like exploring that idea. And I'm like, I wonder if this is possible or I'd like to see, you know, what I can do with this. And sometimes like that speaker thing, it came to fruition and I finished it and it works great. A lot of these were like, Oh, uh, I wonder if I can do this or like the first, one of the very first side projects I made was a very simple Mac app, but really my purpose in making it was to explore how was making a Mac app different. And it was kind of an excuse to do that. And we've talked about this before, but like if I, if you have, for me, if I have an idea, um, that is interesting to me, it's much more motivating to work on. Um, and then I was like, oh, storyboards are way more different, uh, in, in app kit and everything. And so it was a good avenue for me to learn about these things. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if I really finished it per se. I, last time I tried to use it, it crashed on me. So, uh, <laughs> but it was cool to jump into like 
the you know the shallow end of Mac development and see how different it was and realize oh table views are way different what are these things called NS cells and you know all of this different things that just uh, help me learn and I've also talked about before I'm not I'm very much not business centric like I have never tried to you know make a business out of any of my apps it's more for like the academic learning uh, aspect of improving my skills not necessarily so i can do my job like my main job better but just because it's interesting to me if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and i think i feel lucky and grateful that i want to code in my free time but also i don't think that's a necessity like if you're just doing this for a job because it pays well cool that's great Mm -hmm. like make that money dude (laughs) you know what i mean so yeah i I uh, think there's also the avenue to to bring up where coding is art like we don't necessarily think of it as art because it's not like on a canvas drawn with paint um or another like writing instrument of some sort um but it 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 is uh, the output of or the output of coding is a creative endeavor um however you want to uh, see it whether it's a visual or it's um computational like there's all sorts of different facets to it uh, but it really is art um yeah. whether it's how your code uh looks there have been challenges that people have brought upon themselves to make the code look like ascii art when it's yeah. just code um that generates that ascii art like all sorts of as many levels as you want down um but it really is uh art and it takes creativity to be able to do it um and you only get better at creative endeavors by doing them as often as possible, as possible, right? I'm reminded. I think I brought this up on a past episode. I have no idea where I picked up this nugget of knowledge. Maybe I referenced it in the past episode. I don't know. It's the the reference has escaped my head, but I did not come up with it. Um, but someone said like, if you have a pottery class and you have um, ten students split up into two groups, and you tell the first mm. group of ten students. Hey, you have a month to make the perfect like vase. So just focus on that one vase and make it as perfect as possible. And then the other group, you tell them, okay, every day build a vase. And then you compare at the end which group had better vases: the group that focused on that single vase for that whole month, or that group that made a brand new vase every day. Uh, and then whatever that last day was, they made a vase uh, and compare those two results. And they said that the second group that spends every day making a brand new vase from scratch had better vases than the group that focused entirely all their time on that singular one vase. So uh, they didn't necessarily finish their vase every day, but they went through the motions. They got competent at it. They uh, built up the muscle memory. They learned how to spot deficiencies and how to build it up structurally so that way it could be a good vase. Um, and that's something that applies to almost everything uh, in terms of uh, building up skill. Like, no, no one of us understands how computers work to the degree that we can make our software, like, perfect, right? Mm-hmm. The software that we write, it gets translated down to little electrons buzzing around. Like, that's <laughs> the distance yeah. between code that you type and what is actually doing the thing that you're getting out of it is like so astronomically distant like you don't need to understand exactly what your code does 
at a fundamental level, you just need to understand that if you do something this way, you're going to get this result, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can build up that knowledge little by little, you end up being a fully competent developer that knows pitfalls. Like, you know, if you don't do it this way, like, there's going to be big dangers ahead because uh, you fell into that pit in the past, right? Uh, It can come down to that. That's what experience really is. And in the future, if you want to learn about, like, oh... Your code gets turned into assembly, and the assembly turns into mm-hmm. instructions, and those instructions turn into bitmaps that com- like configure circuits, and those circuits go ahead and let things through into gates and all that. Like you can go down that rabbit hole if you want. It's not going to make you understand software any better, though. It's just out of curiosity, um, and that's something that I feel is very important to understand for any developer that's trying to start off. Like it's just another tool and you learn how to use that tool without necessarily knowing all the fundamental pieces of what makes that tool like useful. Um, so, uh, that's something to never forget as you start side projects and you don't finish them. You just start it for the sake of like exploring something, right? That's oftentimes plenty. Yeah. I mean, that's the best, and we've talked about this before. I, I'm saying that a lot today. Um, the stakes are so low for failure that you you can afford to explore something, right? Like, what happens if I do do this? I mean, if we go, <laughs> this is kind of a weird example, but if we go back to the pottery analogy, uh, what happens if I punch this vase while it's on the the wheel? What happens? Like, that would suck for you as the you know doing the pottery, but if you do that in code command z and undo it and then you're you're back to normal like the stakes are super low so you can afford to break things and try things out and uh you know you may waste some time not actually finishing a product but again like we've said it's not really an issue because you don't need to finish them you get at the absolute least some experience and perhaps some knowledge out of uh working on any piece of code whether it's at work whether it's your own personal project side gig whatever and so you can kind of sate that curiosity that you have maybe get some enjoyment out of that maybe actually learn something from it but it's a net gain no matter what basically um there's really i don't think much of a way that you can kind of go into the negative per se with you know exploring some thing that you're either curious about or passionate about so mm-hmm. um, yeah and to completely stretch that pottery analogy even further uh like if you do this every day you make a new pot and you decide one day i want to know what happens if i punch it punch it do it like you're, yeah. you're gonna you know how to make that really easily up to that point at this point right uh just like making expert projects and if you don't check that get uh checkbox and you don't uh carefully commit your way through um, because you're exploring something and you don't really care to like s- stumble through that, that's fine. Like you yeah. have gone so good at your craft that you can go ahead and take those liberties and explore, find out. Maybe you make something very interesting out of punching it. Maybe it turns into a complete disaster and hits your coworker on the other, in the face uh, next door. Right? You have no clue yeah. what's going to happen until you try it. Um, and that's how you explore and and do new things. Right? Yeah. maybe i'll talk about this later like in the after in the uh commented out or something but i bought i bought some tea i guess mugs teacups 
uh, anyway, on their website, um, they have these vases, like you can tell they were vases that probably failed. And so they're smashed on one side. But what they did was they turned them into uh, paperweights. And so it's like this crushed vase, but on one side it's flat and it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a paperweight. So they turned it into something good to kind mm-hmm. of extend that out, that analogy even further. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. So let's, we kind of talked about side projects now. What about like a side gig? Can you do it? Well, I, I have a story, but kind of, yeah. I mean, could you do another full-time job? Could you pick up part-time work? Could you, I mean, what, what would you classify as like a side gig? I, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, I've done a little bit about of everything here, um, yeah. and mostly motivated by uh, like uh, I don't know why we as a culture don't want to talk about this ever, but it's like motivated by money, right? I need money for certain goals in my life, uh, and therefore I have free time to be able to, to use that time to turn into money in some capacity, right? Uh, when you have a full time job, like that, whether you spend eight hours or sixteen hours, it's the same money at the end of the day. Uh, because it just gets turned into a yearly salary. Um, but if you spend eight hours, then you can focus on the rest of your day doing something else. So uh, the first thing that I kind of uh, did with this was take on part-time work, like teaching at uh, Lambda with Spencer and everything. Um, and I like royally enjoyed that much more than uh, the value that it brought back in a way. Um, now, I was exceptionally thankful for it because as the pandemic rolled in, um, I was furloughed for my full-time position. And therefore, that was my lifeline, basically, mm-hmm. of, uh, of keeping, uh, keeping afloat, being able to make uh, payments on my mortgage and things like that. Because everything is tight when you live uh, in uh, L.A. Uh, and uh, that tightness kind of gave out right as the pandemic uh, started. So... Um, you can go ahead and spend it doing part-time work like that. Um, if you're young and I would not recommend this to everyone, uh, and you have the time or the opportunity presents itself, maybe consider another full-time job. Um, I know that California at least has very, uh, uh, strict, uh, regulations in terms of what an employer can impose on its employees. Uh, so although employers will say, hey, you can't do anything else while you work with us, the state says you can. So uh, double check where you do live to make sure that this is the case and where your employers are based if you work remotely. Um, but if everything is legally okay and you can be hush-hush about it, uh, then you totally can do two works, two jobs, um, and, and reap the benefits of that. Um, something to consider with this is, uh, you don't necessarily need to pay double for healthcare and things like that. So you can mm-hmm. uh, earn more in one of them. Uh, at the end of the year, you will end up getting a refund for things like social security because you can overpay that and reach a cap. Um, so, uh, that is something to consider. Um, and in general, it's a good way of, of, uh, accumulating wealth early while you can um and uh then like reaping the benefits later by working less right um now i don't recommend this for everyone because it is grueling and uh it is something that 
maybe you do out of necessity more than um uh more than uh something uh that is just out of interest uh if you are taking a salary position do keep in mind that like you are responsible for now two jobs uh you have Mm -hmm. to be able to keep up with them uh if you do want to do this i would recommend picking two things that are very different one from a legal standpoint like you can't accidentally uh uh leak information from one company to the other that's a benefit um that's going to be to your benefit if you ever get sued um but uh as a non from a non-legal point it's a lot easier to do more work if they are not the same thing um Mm -hmm. so if you if you can at all like if you're doing one job doing a bunch of back-end development and another job doing a bunch of ui development that's going to be a lot easier for you as a person to be able to accomplish rather than double the back-end because uh, like I'm gonna say this up front, you were working 16 hours supposedly a day, um, and right. whether you spread that over weekends or you uh, do a little bit less here and there because you get the work done, that's completely up to you to balance. But uh, it is a lot, uh, so don't I don't want to suggest this lightly, but it is a possibility if you need it, um, which in terms of pandemic times has been needed by some. I don't know who. Um, but I won't, I won't say, um, now the third way that you can go ahead and use your free time to make more money is doing contract development. And this can be a lot better, uh, for most people. Um, and it's also something I did during the pandemic to pad, um, my dwindling finances, uh, that were, uh, at this point, like everything I made was going straight into, uh, expenses, um, to keep everything afloat. Um, and that was like such a big lifeline after I stopped teaching because the Lambda, uh, program ended, uh, for iOS development. Uh, it turned into something that was not only keeping me afloat, but also was, uh, something that was going directly into savings without putting so much pressure on me. Um, so if you can get a contract, uh, a contract job, like it doesn't need to be full time anymore, and mm-hmm. oftentimes clients can't pay full time. Like they can only pay a limited amount. Uh, so if you have something that's ten to twenty hours a week, that's totally doable in your spare time. Um, either before you start your full time job, after you finish your full time job every day, um, or squeeze into the weekends. Um, so it's something that you can go ahead um, and organize the way you want. Like once again, you you decide how many hours you work because you bill for those hours um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, of course, there are deadlines like Spencer mentioned, right? Like sometimes you do need to get something done by a certain uh, time period. But um, if you just don't have time that week, you don't build those hours. The client's not mad. They're not paying for work that's not being done. Uh, right. So uh, contract work um, or freelance work, um, as it's always also called, um, is another great thing to do. But once again, like charge appropriately for contract work. Do keep in mind that you are not being padded um, by, uh, an employer who's paying half of your medical bills, uh, or a medical, uh, insurance, um, who's not paying, uh, the other 3% of your social security, um, that you are paying as a part of your paycheck. Like if you're getting freelance, you're a 1099, you don't necessarily have, uh, anything extra on your, on your paycheck, which is just a check for what you build. So you yep. need to account for all the extra expenses, um, if you want to account for them, I mean, you have a full-time job as well, perhaps. Uh, so maybe you don't need to account for them, but, um, it's up to you at that point. Uh, so 
yeah, you can definitely use your free time to turn your time into money. I mean, it's beneficial to everyone. Um, but do keep in mind that you are beholden to other things at play, right? Um, and it's not something that uh, is the most liberating uh, work. Sometimes contract work can be grueling because your clients <laughs> can be uh, not the best. Um, other times it's the best thing in the world because it's making more money than your full-time job for a fraction of the hours. Um, yeah. so like I've lived through all of it. Um, I don't want to dive too deep into this because we have other, other uses of free time that we do want to get into. Um, but, uh, I don't know if you needed to hear it from someone before giving it a try. It's definitely worth it if you feel like you have consistent free time. Um, and you have the mental capacity to be able to pull forward with it and you have the financial need and push because without that financial push, I don't think I would be able to do it at all. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's something that is mentally taxing, um, and it's not something you can do forever, but if within your calculations, you can say, Hey, if I do this for three years, um, I can pay off my house. Um, I can have some financial independence and maybe then I don't need to work for someone. Like my expenses at this point drop to whatever uh, the base, like property tax and food and utilities. utilities. Yeah. Uh, and then once it's just that, then you are kind of set to just make what you need to make, right? Um, which is oftentimes much, much lower than needing to maintain a mortgage um, and everything else. Of course, there's medical insurance, and that's probably going to be your next biggest uh, thing you will have to pay for. But um like do the calculus how much will you be able to save how much will you be able to pay off it will it be worth it uh will you be able to do this for a long time is it only going to be like two years before you tap out that's that's entirely up to you is it convenient that it's a pandemic at the current moment in time and that's an excuse to uh stay home and tell yourself that like you just have to continue working yeah that said, uh, something else you can use your free time for, um, as we've kind of discussed already, is learning, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can, I think we've kind of talked about it in the sense of like building out or expanding, I suppose, your your knowledge of, you know, coding specifically. But like, if you are doing, uh, you know, you're, you're making your own app, let's just say just as like a side project just for fun. But you're like, you know what? I would love to publish this on the app store. Uh, there's, you know, more that you have to do than just writing the app itself. There's not a lot more, but there are a couple sort of extra, uh, you know, auxiliary, auxiliary, auxiliary things, uh, other things kind of attached to the side of it, uh, that are, you know, you need to think about like, for example, uh, building an app icon, you you have to have a built an app icon built and screenshots, you can kind of just, you know, make like screenshots, screenshots real quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could go and be all fancy with designing screenshots and stuff with, you know, but app icon at the very least, you need to do that. Um, could you pay someone on Fiverr to do it? Absolutely. Uh, but you could also, you know, pick up worth sketch. $5. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well Fiverr isn't really five dollars anymore but yes i mean like 20 bucks or something totally um you could pick up sketch you could um pick up uh, illustrator or uh affinity design is it design okay um i don't yeah, know now <laughs> their their vector one i can't remember i only use photo really 
Um, but you could, you know, pick up some vector art uh, application Figma. and design your app. Yeah, Figma. Um, marketing as well. You know, you could get an uh, get a quick website going on GitHub Pages for free and uh, write some copy for your app. And uh, I guess you could, you know, somehow. I don't know. I've never really looked into like actually specifically promoting my app per se i just kind of like have blasted it out on twitter and said cool something uh, that spencer could use his free time on <laughs> uh yeah for real again i'm not business oriented so it's not anything i'd really actually do but um you could do that right if you're trying to actually make money off of your app there are all of these things around building an app that if you're going to do it everything yourself you you have to do it all yourself and you have to learn these things uh, mm-hmm. If not, you know, hire some. Uh, well, I, again, Fiverr, hire someone for like a couple hours to build your uh, app logo and you're good or whatever. But um, you could do it to expand on the, again, these like external but adjacent functions of being an app developer. Or it could be something completely different. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. You know, you, I think for me, uh, going back to Johnny's um, solo episode where he said, always be learning, I think that's huge. Um, and I'm always, you know, trying to learn something, whether it's coding adjacent or not. Like, I really like 3D printing and I'm, you know, uh, going to start writing an app to um, make a pen plotter and like draw lines based on Bezier paths and stuff. Uh, it's like code adjacent because I want to write an app for it, but it's also just like, I like 3d printing or I like building computers and stuff. So you can keep learning things not related to coding or it can be related to coding. That was very vague. Learn things. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. So, uh, here's an excellent, excellent example of this, like from my own, my own experience. So a few years ago, I wanted to make a, uh, a language app to help you learn how to read Japanese, which is a notoriously hard uh, part of the language that um, everyone will kind of be introduced to once you start learning that particular language. Um, and now I I wanted to start doing this. So uh, the first thing I decided to start on was the app icon. Um, and that was the only thing I worked on, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun building out that app icon and I learned a few techniques in the process, making something that uh, does not look like an iOS 7-ified, um, like, three-layered icon where you have a background, a gradient, and a, and a silhouette. Um, sure. I, I really went for, like, the, the pre-iOS 7 polished, uh, full of shadings and reflections, um, lots of texture. Well, in this case, it was deep-fried punko texture. Um, oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun building out this, adding hinting, so that way it looks sharp at all the different sizes. Um, like, things that you don't think about anymore. It's like, hey, I have an icon, just resize it. No, yeah. this had to be rebuilt to a certain extent at those different sizes if you wanted to see the crisp shapes of everything and be able to read it, because it it was a play on on um, a dish in Japanese called a katsudon, which is, katsu is a deep-fried, like, fillet of chicken or pork um and don is short for donburi which is a bowl um so you have a bowl of rice with uh a, something deep fried on it um and a katsu don if you take the word katsu which means to win as well uh is oftentimes eaten for victory uh to be successful at something 
Uh, so I was nice. using that as a play, um, and I had the character for Kanji, which is the the hard to read bits of Japanese. Um, and that was the deep fried thing. It was that character, uh, all chubby and, and like made of, made of uh, something that was deep fried. Uh, so I wanted that character to be legible, but also look like the thing that it was trying to represent. Um, so the app icon itself was the bowl. Um, a little, uh, um, what's that called? A la- one of those red and black lacquer bowls, um, that mm-hmm. you yeah. t- typically see in Japanese cuisine, uh, with a bed of rice and, a deep fried uh, character on top That's of it. That's super cool. Um, and I had a lot of fun building that. I did not make the app past that point. <laughs> so <laughs> to be clear, side projects, they don't get finished. But yes. um, but I was practicing something that I, uh, little by little, improve at every time I do practice it. Um, and that was design. And that's something that is actionable. Like you can totally go ahead and do that. Um, to get better at doing design so that way you don't get $20 worth of app icon by paying $20 for it, right? You get thousands of dollars worth of app icon because yeah. you've slowly been uh, been building up that, that repertoire, right? So it's something that you can go ahead and practice um, anytime, really, and would directly help you build apps, right? Um, same yeah. for marketing, like a, a concrete way that I can think of to practice marketing is build out websites, fake websites. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't actually, uh, pertain to any real product, but if you didn't need to put the hard work into making a product and you just needed to design it perhaps, and then show off the cool aspects and identify what those cool aspects are and identify what the market is and who your customers are uh-huh. and build out those sites. That's practicing marketing, right? Um, because uh, like, if you want to push an app to the app store, you need a website for it. I've seen people use, uh, like this was funny, uh, another side story. Uh, when we were doing the indie app showcase, um, a lot of people like submit apps and, some people submitted apps, and if you click on the website for that app, it took you to, like, uh, the the visa, uh, like, entry point for them entering the country. Like, it was very wacky oh. in a way. And I'm like, why do you use that? Um, and I'm surprised, like, AppReview did not, like, notice this when they, like, called me on the phone and said, like, hey, uh, your website seems to be down, and we want to, like... Uh, like accept your app but we can't do that because your website's down and I'm like oh I'm so sorry Uh, let me go uh, restart that Um, yeah yeah, don't run your own servers Um, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, like that is something that you need to have an app so if you can do a good job at making a site that checks all those boxes with SEO and make sure it shows up on uh, Google um like one way to do that is constantly blog on that site so that way Google sees new content and people potentially right. link to that content. And if more people link to the content, if people search for that keyword for your app, your content has a lot of pointers to it. Therefore, it's more relevant. So it'll be at the top of the results. Um, so that's something you need to practice at. Um, and using your free time, even if it doesn't get you anything like right away, you are practicing and building at that skill, right? That's something that you can go ahead and use in the future for your next project um, and be more successful at it. Yep. Um, uh, Okay. Going back to marketing and how I don't like it or business in general. um, 
I think everything that Dimitri said is awesome. I think one thing with that is like, for me, I actually enjoy design. Like that's honestly what I was going to school for before. Uh, didn't work out. That's okay. Still like it. It's um, a side project. <laughs> it's a side project. Uh, exactly. It'll never be finished. Um, but business is like not a side project for me. That is, sounds so unappealing to me. Uh, that if I if I was serious and I was like, you know what, I really do want to put this app out. Um, some of your learning or free time could be spent uh, finding a business partner, right? And saying, you know what, Dimitri likes business or Ben likes business or whoever, right? Uh, I want to partner with them and you can kind of split the, the, uh, the duties of what you want to do. And you'll be like, you know what, I'll write the app if you'll do the business because... Uh, I don't want to do the business and you X person don't want to do the app, you know, you can kind of like build off of each other and learn to work with someone. That's, I mean, I'm kind of trying to shoehorn this into like learning, but, uh, again, going back to like, you don't need to do, (laughs) it's not something you get automatically. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't need to do everything. And again, like use your free time how you want to. We're not trying to say, and I, I don't think we're getting it across like this, but I want to clarify, you don't have to learn design to be a developer. You don't have to learn marketing to be a developer. Would it help? Yeah, totally. But also you don't have to, mm-hmm. uh, y- there are other avenues to do all of these things again, Fiverr or, uh, like Dimitri, uh, would someone on Fiverr put in the time to make it look good at every size? Probably not unless you paid them again, like Dimitri said, thousands of dollars. Uh, You know, so it's like a balance of like, do you want to spend money or do you want to spend your time learning how to do this uh, and making it work for your ultimate goal? If you're just like, I want to put my app on the app store and like have a semi-decent app icon. Cool. Yeah. Fiber's great. But uh, there's all levels to these things, I suppose, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And one thing I want to also clarify, time is not money. People like to say that. Oh, my time is money. I'm very important. Um, Time is not money. (laughs) If you're so important that like you're you are making millions of dollars a year, it's not your time. Like you are not doing that. You are orchestrating perhaps, uh, but it's not like if you take five minutes out of that person's day, that millions of dollars is still going to be made. I want to make that absolutely clear. Um, you can turn your time into money, but time is not money. Once once you don't have an active contract that's churning that time into money. Like, that time can be used for anything. Like, don't use it as, as an excuse for not doing other things, um, which is, it's very easy to fall down that, that hole. Yeah. Um, now, if you have time to be doing the contract work and you're choosing not to, then yes, perhaps time is money. But, like, that amount of time is so limited. Like, you still have other responsibilities to take care of, uh, like eating, washing, all sorts of cleaning, like, there's a mountain of other things that we have to do with our time during the day. Um, and like that has to be taken into account. So, uh, don't, don't go and think that like you are too important to spend your time learning something new, uh, because it is absolutely possible for you to benefit and reap the rewards of that. Right. Um, but at the same time, like if you have the money to do something, you can go ahead and either hire someone to do something for you properly, um, mm-hmm. or as Spencer said, like make a startup. Right? That's exactly what a startup is: is when 
uh, you have product and you have business that come together to make something that can uh, potentially succeed. And sometimes it doesn't, and that's totally fine. Um, make sure the person you do this with is not going to be part of an existing relationship that's going to be ruined by you attempting this because you both have to give up <laughs> for it to succeed. Um, and unless you have a pile of, of uh, Monopoly money in the background that's like funding all this, uh, it's it's something that you have to be be aware of. So um, yeah, that, I, I did want to bring that out. Uh, one yeah, last thing that you could be doing with your time is learning something that has nothing to do with your app or development mm-hmm. or anything at all. Like Spencer brought up 3D printing and I love this because you immediately followed through with what I was going to say. Like you like 3D printing and then you're like, oh, hey, I like 3D printing so much. I know how to do apps. I can marry those oh. two like ideas and I can do something that's a combination of them. Um, and this was very common in the early days of the app store of like, say, I'm a dentist, and I know a little bit of this app development stuff. I can make an app that is focused for dentists that no Mm. one else can make. You know, unless you're a dentist, you don't know of all the things that would satisfy that potential potential user. Um, So I, I have no idea where that example came from. It's like from a decade ago at least, but it stuck in my head because learning stuff that is auxiliary to like what you know can balloon what your experiences can produce in the future right absolutely Um, and and this is not just like the ancillary skills like design and marketing i'm talking about like things that have nothing to do learning about physics uh Uh like another example is there are some really cool apps uh on the app store that let you explore the fourth dimension guess who is Guess who is in a really good place to explain the fourth dimension to someone and potentially program it so that way you can explore it? Someone who knows physics and math, right? Like, if you don't know that, you're going to be, like, way over your head trying to solve the equations of, oh, when I rotate this model and I want the 3D, 4D hypercube to, like, do its thing where the cube on the inside goes and eats the one on the outside and all that. Like, that's math, right? <laughs> you are way out of your your uh, your comfort zone if you want to program that and you know nothing beyond like simple algebra um Mm -hmm. so that is something that's going to help you do stuff that you didn't even think of up until that point um so uh easy ways to go about doing this like watch stuff on youtube that is just fascinating and interesting like there's different segments of media and entertainment there's stuff that just satisfies you for existing Uh, and then there's stuff that like makes you more curious and then you go down that rabbit hole and keep learning about it um so that's a totally like a it's a-okay to learn about stuff that has nothing to do with what you're doing because it may benefit you in the future in ways that you totally don't expect right yeah absolutely i mean that's probably where a lot of you know very prolific or um beloved i suppose apps come from like I don't know if this is the case. I don't know hardly at all the I and his name escapes me right now, but like Pcalc for example is like a very prolific James app. Thompson. And, yeah. And it's it's a calculator. I mean it, it does a lot more. It, it's super cool. But my point is like I would never write that app and I would never have the the grit and determination to um do that i hate math math is like i yeah i hate it and so 
I would never have the passion to do everything that he does. And I mean, he's like, you know, he puts like a ton of extra cool stuff in there. Uh, I, I don't know if it's still in there. I haven't looked at it in a while, but like AR stuff with like rolling dice and stuff. So, I mean, uh, okay. the about screen by keep the peak calc about screen by peak calc. Um, I, I don't remember what the exact name is, uh, but it has been rolled out into its own app because it got so oh. much bigger than the peak calc. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, that has been rolled out into its own app that you can go ahead and, and download. Um, I don't remember if it if it has if it like costs anything. Um, but, uh, you can go ahead and download this. And it was notorious because James Thompson worked on, uh, the Finder, like, at Apple. Um, and always had, and he did a great talk on Easter eggs, and he always had a fascination for Easter eggs. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, uh, Easter eggs in about screens was what Finder was doing. Uh, and, uh, that was something that, he wants to do for his own app so he went and as needed something to like explore that was different like perhaps got a little tired of the calculator part of uh peacock and was like hey, yeah, sure. seems fun 3d modeling seems fun i'm gonna learn about all that um and it's not going to benefit my app in any way like it's not going to make the buttons of the calculator turn all 3d or anything um it was just to kind of learn and he wanted to put it somewhere so that way other people can futz around with it and play with it and he put it in the about screen and you can now drive a car around and throw bananas and uh explore a whole 3d space <laughs> so of cool. like insanity um which is like an excellent use of your free time uh when you don't know what to do with it because you learn a whole bunch of stuff one thing he learned is how to do 3d stuff and therefore he built another app dice by Peacock, <laughs> which is the the funniest oh, right. way to okay. name it is a separate app yeah, it's the funniest way to name stuff. But he likes D&D, and he now knows how to do 3D stuff. He knows how to do app development. Guess what? He can make a dice simulator, um, and is something that he probably learned further things from. Uh, so uh, that that is uh, such an excellent example. I'm so glad you brought it up. Of like learning all sorts of different things, um, and it leading to unexpected things at the end of the day, right? You don't want to make a dice simulator unless you are interested in role-playing games where you need tons of dice, right? Um, and maybe you have a lack of dice or you keep losing your dice and it's like perfect dice simulator. Um, that, that only becomes possible if you have these, all these independent things that can lead up to doing that well, right? You might just make a random number generator, but it ain't no dice simulator, right? Um, so. Uh, that that is an excellent example, and I'm so glad you brought it up. Uh, one thing one thing that 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 w- I found interesting was in James Thompson's case. If you follow him on Twitter, you will see him exploring like new ways mm-hmm. to simulate texture and substance in within dice. Like he added confetti um, at one point, and then he added little tiny bananas. Um, like there's always the joke <laughs> about the banana because it's a it's a free like model that you can go ahead and download. So I think that was the the one he started with. Um, but uh yeah he added little tiny speckles of of um of uh confetti inside of the dice and that was actually modeled there rather than just a flat texture on top uh That's so, so cool so that that is something that takes work you need to learn about all sorts of things to be able to put do that but if it's incremental it's possible right if it's mm-hmm. all at once it's like oh this is my end state and i'm starting from nothing it's gonna be hard but if you spend all your day making a little something 
leading up to that, then it's going to be totally doable. Yep. So all that said, you don't need to spend your free time doing side projects. You don't need to spend your free time doing full-time work. You don't need to spend your free time learning. You can totally a-okay spend your free time or what remains of your free time doing absolutely nothing productive, right? Yes, agreed. And <clears throat> I, I will probably always champion that as, as the one in code completion that probably does the least amount of work. Uh, but uh, I have... I am slowly becoming more and more okay with it. Um, like Dimitri said, I, I think, like I, I often admire and envy uh, Dimitri and Ben and Fernando uh, because they're all doing these side gigs and uh, multiple jobs and stuff. And it's like, you know, Dimitri mentioned like you can make a lot of money and have financial independence and stuff. And that's awesome. Um, I, I wish I had the mental fortitude to do that. Um, I, like Dimitri said, uh, I don't know. For me, yeah, I don't know. I wish I could do it. I can't, and that's okay for now. Maybe I'll, you know, get the mental capacity to do it later, but um, also just do you. And if that's working two jobs, awesome. If it's working one job, great. If it's doing side gigs, great. If you're just learning, that's great too. Yeah. I think and... the hardest thing is just not to compare yourself and not... we're all doing it. I'm doing it. Uh, imposter syndrome is out there and affects pretty much everyone. I'd assume. Um, you're on, you're, you're on your own journey. We're all mm -hmm. following the path of, you know, iOS development and coding in general, but um, that doesn't mean that you have to, I mean, I looked at like, especially when I was teaching, I was looking at Paul Hudson and Sean Allen and all of these people that are just churning out all of the, all of this content. I was like, I need to have a blog. I, you know, I need to do all this and, uh, you don't have to, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and to, to kind of push that a little further, rest is super important. Um, mm -hmm. I would not be able to do uh what i do if i didn't absolutely like turn into a uh a a, a a a pond of nothingness at the end of it and <laughs> need to just like relax and and not think and turn my brain off um mm -hmm. that is like the counterbalance that makes uh overwork possible in a way um and even if you're not overworking like it's important to value your rest it's important to uh, take time off when you have a vacation and turn off like any thing that can induce anxiety or stress right um like turn off your phone or don't check your email um like it's fine if there's actually uh and if there's actually an emergency that your work needs and like the only thing is that you could fix it uh, but you're not available and everyone agreed to a vacation and you get back from your vacation, you likely won't get fired. <laughs> like if you did not see the notification that for two weeks, the service has been down. Um, Jira has been down for like a month, uh, not too long ago. And they didn't even say anything. Um, but it was just like not working for a whole bunch of paying customers. And <laughs> like, that's just 
the way it is. If if anyone tries to tell you like, hey, uh, our business lost, you can point to Jira and say like, hey, uh, I was taking vacation and I value like my time is valuable. And if you don't value that, I'm gonna go like look for something else. That's one nice thing about the industry we're in is there's lots of opportunity. Um, so mm-hmm. while it's there, set precedent uh, for or help set precedent because it's, we're as a collective. Um, that like rest is important and your time is valuable to you. Um, it's not money, but it is your time. You have a limited amount of it. Um, so use it in a way that's going to make you happy. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. Going back to like in the theoretical that you had two full-time jobs, right? You you mentioned like you have a, a, a duty and an obligation to fulfill both jobs. Right. So I think for me, again, I don't feel like I would be able to do my job well if I was cramming a bunch of extra work, right? Like my, my job performance would suffer. I would feel bad. Like I would personally have like, um, yeah, I I would just, I'd feel bad about that. And I'd know that I'm not doing the best that I can. And that doesn't mean that I'm always doing the best that I can, you know, like you have off days where like you you're you're stuck on a problem and you write like three lines of code in a day and like that's fine that's like your job obviously knows that that's normal but you have to be mentally there i guess and i don't Mm -hmm. know if i would be able to if i was like working two jobs if that makes sense yeah um it's definitely it's definitely tough not only on you but on family as well um so Mm -hmm. uh i i say it with like a huge giant asterisk that's better bigger than anything um like do think about that like ramp up to that if that is your end goal um and if you think you can do it don't just like jump in cold turkey because it's going to be tough um but yeah it's something something that's available uh but you could spend your time like playing video games and having a blast of a time instead right um and not thinking about work uh enjoying uh your like pastimes and your hobbies right yeah, I mean that's that's what I do a lot. Like I, <laughs> I will I will gladly wave that banner of just like watching TV, playing video games, you know, like reading a good book, whatever you want to do, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and that for me, again, like helps me recharge to be able to like do my work well and feel good about the work I'm doing and not stress about work when I am doing my free time. It's kind of you know they they. They both work towards helping each other. I really want to watch Severance because I know that's kind of like the whole point and I haven't watched it yet. So uh, maybe I'll start watching that. So good. So you have Is to it? watch it. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's so wacky. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get too into it, but um, just the, I would definitely say, have you watched Inception? Yeah. Okay. okay. S- similar levels of wackiness towards okay, cool. uh, the end. Not in like a joking way, but in like a. Are they. Oh, they did. They did go in that direction. <laughs> so cool. uh, it, it was. It's a very fun time. Um, and and like I gave up a lot of things that Spencer gets to enjoy, like games. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love video games. I still buy them despite never touching them in recent years. Uh, just because I have been so busy. Um, and that's not to say that I don't have free time. Like, I spend it doing other stuff. Like, watching anime. I watch a lot of anime. Um, <laughs> but 
the games have something that have just fallen off something mm-hmm. that I can do despite me still having that itch to like play them so I still buy them and unfortunately never get to them um though like sometimes like when breath of the wild came out i took two weeks off just to play breath of the wild and that was that was my escape for uh for those weeks and people are like oh are you going anywhere i'm like no i'm going to home to turn off (laughs) slack and play a video game um and and yeah that was that's escapism like in in a way but it's also a recharge and a relaxation and Mm -hmm. uh and and uh sometimes it can lead to like other benefits in life like i'm good at knowing where i am in my surroundings because i can get lost in video games and find my way right um i'm able to nice. to to like map out map out where i am in in a place and know how to like reconcile that and that's probably because i played a lot of video games when i was young and even even today when i still can um, and if you don't play video games, that may be a little bit harder. Or if you don't play that kind of like exploration game, uh, because you you do learn how to like build up maps in your head and and know how to like uh, circumnavigate them. So I anything that you think might be mundane could end up helping you. Like you can use that as motivation to do the mundane a lot. Um, uh, but as well, it can. It's just a way of recharging. Um, and doing something that you find fun and relaxing, like a, a common joke, I think in the industry is when people get burned out, they can, like go into woodworking because they still need to be productive, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But they, it, it's like they don't want to touch a computer; they want to go down to the roots of uh, of uh, like prehistoric times, and we're like, I'm gonna get the big the big bag saw and uh, and uh, put something together, and then nearly lose their thumb and say this was not for me <laughs> like back to the I, computer back to the computer it's a lot safer there <laughs> <laughs> um i i guess you can shock yourself to death with like a an exposed power supply or something um i guess so uh, there are dangers i guess maybe um, not not tremendous dangers though um to your to your <laughs> physical well-being um yeah. definitely dangerous to your mental well-being but uh yes. Yeah, use use your free time. I think it's it's very important to uh, be able to relax and know how to find how to please yourself, right? How to make yourself uh, happy. And if you don't know what that is, that's totally fine. Like it's it's worth exploring all sorts of things. Maybe that's traveling. Maybe that's gardening. Maybe that's mm-hmm. woodworking. Maybe that's forging. You know, there's all sorts of of ways that you can spend your time. Uh, maybe that's reading. Like I. I read perhaps more books than I've ever read in my life uh, last year uh, because I just fell into that that rabbit hole of like exploring exploring other worlds and being fascinated by different ways of thinking. Um, and has that led to anything in my life? No, not at all. Uh, but it made me it made me happy to explore these things um, and not even learn anything out of it, right? Just like, okay, now I forget about that story and on to this next story. Um, don't even finish some of them, like side projects. Um, so yeah, you use your free time. It's, it's important to your like overall sanity. Um, and you don't need to give that up to do more of anything, right? It's totally fine to have that. Um, now, if that's all you have, if all you have is free time and you're not uh, working or learning or anything, that's a right. completely separate problem. Uh, but 
if if you are using it as a way to counterbalance everything else, then that's totally uh, a okay. Don't be a neat. Yeah, it, I mean it's a net gain, right? In that case, like not doing anything is a net gain because you are mentally like recharging or doing something that you enjoy. I mean. We only live for, you know, 80 years or whatever, so... If you're lucky. (laughs) If you're lucky. Many people don't even live to that. And, you know, literally don't work yourself to death in the sense that, like, that's all you're doing and you're not enjoying anything. Like, we're getting very philosophical here, but, like, I think it's important to, I mean, enjoy your life and whatever that is, if it is woodworking or if it is, you know... uh, building your own ios app or uh, whatever like building app kit for classic like that was something that uh, oh, yeah. i saw months ago and then recame in ios uh, what is it ios that weekly that newsletter that mm-hmm. you should definitely yeah. follow um like uh yuli custer i'm probably getting their name wrong i remember them from like mailing list days and they actually helped me out so i was like oh they're on twitter i'm gonna follow them that was five years ago um but uh, they they went and rebuilt AppKit for Classic. Are they getting anything out of that? No. Are they scratching a fun itch? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, they may be getting enjoyment out of it, right? Like that, nothing necessarily monetary per se. Mm-hmm. But again, net gain, I think. Yeah. Super side note, like Japan also has like a term for work, like overworked to death. Like that's a that's a a, a stated reason of death, um, that's and crazy, I think dude. that's that's so sad uh, that it gets to that. Like, yeah, uh, if if you need to work out of like need so much that you just wither away, um, I hope that you have the capacity to rethink like what's important and rethink how you can go ahead and reprioritize like everything yeah. in your life so that way that is not the case um i definitely choose to like work the amount that i do it's no longer a uh, particular need to do so uh from a financial sense though uh, i would have to give things up if i were to stop um it's it's not something that is like pushing me like i don't i have a way out um, and if you end up in the situation where you're working three full-time jobs, you're sleeping four hours a night, uh, you have no free time, and yeah. the minute you stop doing one of those, everything collapses, that is something that I hope you can go ahead and restructure around your life because that is not something that is sustainable. Um, so think about it. Yep. Bless you. <laughs> this week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage is a full-stack iOS app development course from Johnny B. With this course, you'll learn how to build both a full iOS app and an associated React web administration application. What better way to learn something new, right? Uh, the app and the site will integrate with Firebase as well as Stripe and Plaid for payment processing. Bon Voyage is a place to book extravagant vacations, and you'll gain the skills to build the iOS app from the ground up and integrate everything you need to provide a world-class vacation booking experience. 
To find out more and sign up for the course, visit Bon Voyage, that's B-O-N-V-O-Y-A-G-E dot app slash course, and be sure to follow Bon Voyage's instructor, Johnny B. Codes, on Twitter to stay up to date with all his courses. That's J-O-N-N-Y-B-C-O-D-E-S on Twitter. Thanks again to the Bon Voyage e-commerce app course for sponsoring Code Completion. So uh, we have another mini review corner uh, slated for today, and that is because I bought uh, the Logitech Circle View. Uh, so this comes in a nice little package like so. Um, and it's a very small little camera. So I have it on my hand oh, yeah. right here. Uh, it bends like completely. It twists however you need to. Um, and it has mounting hardware. So I'm not going to show you the HomeKit code on the bottom. Um, but... Uh, I guess that's a spoiler. You manage this without any app. You just go ahead and nice. pull up the home app on your phone, um, and you scan the little QR code at the bottom, which I'm not going to show because otherwise you'll be able to control my camera. So, Spencer, if this if that little code leaks at any point, please like cut that frame. Yeah, blur right. it. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so this this uh, works directly in the home app. Um, and uh, it uploads securely to your iCloud shared storage. And I think if you have two terabytes or more, uh, you get unlimited cameras. Otherwise, you get like one or five, depending on your oh, nice. uh, storage plan. Um, so we bought two of these just to test out because we haven't had any cameras around the house ever before. Um, so we have one that's like facing our front entrance. And we were surprised to see that it not only covers our front entrance, it covers all of the kitchen and that entrance as well. Uh, because of the fisheye lens, um, which is probably obvious if you've ever had a security camera, but I've never had one, so uh, I found that to be cool. Um, oh, I never tried it out at night. It apparently has uh, an IR uh, light so that you can actually see at night. Um, it has detection uh, for animals, uh, people, packages, or just any movement um, at all. I think there's like one more thing, um, but I'm forgetting it. Um, and you can set it to record when you're at home, mm-hmm. when anyone is at home, when no one is at home, like there are different settings. At first I was confused because I told it to record like all the time and it was never recording, but it was sending notifications like incessantly, of uh, like movement detected. And that was like a cat walking by a cat, or, yeah. <laughs> uh, inside by the way, not even outside. Um, or like us walking by. Um, so, uh, I found out you can set up, uh, active areas and you can just like tap and then like be endlessly frustrated moving it with your finger um so maybe pull out your (laughs) ipad for that task um but it gives you a live feed and you can just kind of like set up like where you want it to detect motion um so that works pretty well um it works it has a built-in microphone and speaker so you can go ahead Mm. and talk over it um not to say that this is like a good use for like a doorbell application they also sell a doorbell um, called the Circle View doorbell, I think. Um, but it's uh, it requires like a transformer and everything, like replacing an existing doorbell, um, which we do not have. So we have to think about installing all that in the future if we want one. Um, but it comes with mounting hardware, so you can mount it indoor or outdoor. It is outdoor rated, uh, though only uh, the camera itself is outdoor rated. The USB part is not, so you need to punch a hole to get power to this thing um inside somewhere uh so that's something to consider if you do want them outdoors but it does come with the mounting plates and everything it comes with a little usb uh power adapter which i 
uh, was surprised it came with because a lot of things nowadays don't come with them. And then I'm left yeah. scrambling for the dwindling supply of uh, iPhone, uh, like little Walwart um, uh, cubes, uh, which I don't have anymore. <laughs> now. Curse you, uh, Apple. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I definitely would say I recommend it. It looks it looks good. Uh, it sends notifications to absolutely everything. So you can dial that into exactly what you want. Um, have it only send notifications when you're at home or when you're not at home and vice versa. Um, so, and yeah, the recording took like a day or two to kick in. I don't know what was up with that. Um, but when we got a notification like a few days later, we noticed, hey, there's a recording UI now. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't just show live. It shows like in the past as well. And it apparently stores like 10 days uh, worth. Um, it records a little bit before a movement starts and then the movement. Um, and yeah, overall, pretty pretty cool uh, little piece of tech. Um, so if you're looking for a camera and you have uh, a little extra money to spend on one that is going to be privacy conscious and stuff like that, uh, then this is one of those, assuming you have Apple stuff, which... I'd be surprised that you're listening to this podcast if you don't. Um, yeah. Uh, but welcome, nonetheless. Uh, and yeah, definitely definitely pretty cool. So this is the Logitech Circle View. A uh, little tiny guy like this is not currently on, but you can see us in the reflection. Um, so yeah, watch us on YouTube if you want to see an image of stuff. Otherwise, podcast, <laughs> audio. An image of stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it fits in the palm of my hand. Um, I have medium-sized hands. Uh, use that information. <laughs> you will. Wiki hands. Uh, so on the subject of the doorbell, mm-hmm. I have the doorbell. Oh, you do have I the have doorbell. It. Cool. I do. <laughs> I got it for Christmas, um, and I have uh, like a an, an like a digital transformer, and so. I haven't installed it because it doesn't supply enough power. So uh, I need to put in like an old school one that supplies like a crap ton of voltage and uh, can actually power the thing. So I've had it for five months. I haven't even opened the box. Uh, I'll get to it eventually. So I'll let you know. We'll we'll put it on a mini review corner once I do install it. But uh, yeah, HomeKit camera stuff is super nice. Um, and it looks like this has, you know, all the stuff like face recognition, the detection zones. So that's super cool you can you know just like for you i guess put it on like your front door if it's facing that so it only detects like when someone when the door opens door yeah or, yeah that's cool so yeah we we turned off the activity zones when we're not away like when we're mm-hmm. home like all of the detection is off but when we're when we're away which it uses like your find my information to figure out so um if everyone has an apple device that works if one person does not it does not work um but uh yeah we we saw the cats walking by and we're like sesame sesame uh and then they they looked up and everything like where is that coming from yeah (laughs) so that that was that was pretty funny um so yeah uh, i'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that because one thing i did read about the 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 doorbell is you don't want it in direct sunlight and the front of our house is in direct sunlight oh um because it is black and it will absorb all the sun and get hot um so that's something that we will need to think about when we like redo that part of our house to have a transformer and everything um 
yeah, our door is like falling apart. It's like in a miserable state. And it's it was a brand new door when we bought the house like two years ago. Oh. Um, but it was like made of wood. And it mm. gets so hot here every summer and winter. The wood contracts. So all the paneling on the door, like think of a door is made yeah. of like multiple panels. Like shrunk so there's like cracks oh, in between yeah. and we have like tape over it's like in a miserable state. Um, yeah. So And it's probably like humid there enough where Oh no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's humidity. not humid where you are? No. Oh. It's called oh. Sun Valley our humid our average humidity year round is like twenty percent. Um Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not great. Um we bought a humidifier as well, which I don't know if oh, I right. should, should review. Did I review? I have no clue if I reviewed it I think it we've not. talked about it before. I don't yeah. know about on the podcast, but we definitely have talked about it. Yeah, it, it was a mixed bag. It kind of worked, but it also like made all the air quality thingies like go insane and say, like, you are living in a polluted environment. Warning, warning. Oh. <laughs> um, because it's like little droplets of water everywhere, and they're detecting that as yeah. pollution. Um, oh, so, yeah, it, it was a bit chaos so as always i want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week please be sure to follow us on twitter at code completion to know when new episodes get released and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into most importantly as a small podcast please be sure to share this with your friends and family we're also interested in any part of the process of app development it's your support that enables us to continue doing this and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss so once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter for joining me this week. My name once again is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buniel, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Um, so for commented out, I want to give a quick follow-up uh, to the M1 Ultra. Um, <laughs> so perhaps we spoke too soon last week. Um uh, or it's just Safari taking a uh, taking an unplanned hostile takeover of my computer. Uh, <laughs> but if you if you follow me on Twitter, you'll have noticed that I tweeted uh, that my computer was using like 160 gigabytes or something, or Safari was using 160 gigabytes. Just Safari. Just Safari. Um, and I noticed because I was like, oh, I'm done with work. I walked away. Um, I noticed like some tab wasn't loading. I closed it. I'm like, whatever. Uh, so I walked away and then I like double checked something on my computer and I saw the, the infamous, your computer has run out of system memory dialogue <laughs> and everything was low. Like Safari showed like 500 megabytes or whatever, uh, which is a lot nowadays, uh, a lot if it were back in the day, but like not a lot nowadays, sure. uh, especially when I have 128 gigabytes available. So I'm like, what's going on? Did the Swift compiler do something naughty again? That's what I immediately assume but no i checked i set menus <laughs> and uh, the sum of all safari subprocesses showed 160 something gigabytes um so i nailed this down uh in activity monitor uh to five processes that were like five subprocesses that were running uh for safari uh for linear.app which is a task like management tool um for software development um, and it seems like Linear was having a bad day that day um, because it just infinitely loaded and mm. didn't load anything um, and just gobbled memory. So each of those tasks were uh, eating tons and tons of gigabytes of memory and totaled that was 160 uh, gigabytes. So um, I gave I did my best to locate those tabs, um, which... I'm I'm trying out out of uh, negligence the style of when you click a link it opens a new tab in a new window and now I don't know where anything opens because it's just Ooh. like oh here's a new window let me add a tab there um, yeah 
which I normally turn off. I said, let me leave this on. Maybe my problem is too many windows, but lots of tabs, okay, maybe. Um, so far, so good, except when Linear decided to just have a panic attack on my computers with my resources um, and gobbled that all up. So uh, I just closed a whole bunch of windows because I was like, I don't know where these linear tabs are. Uh, and that solved the issue for the most part. Uh, and then the memory went skyrocketing back down. And now I, I still have two gigs of swap that are just sitting there with like oh 90 gosh. gigabytes free. Um, so oh, like, okay. I don't know when it's going to move those two gigabytes of swap back in, but maybe it will one day. Who knows? Um, so yeah, that's, that's my follow up on what it's like having a large amount of memory. Apparently websites will take it over <laughs> and not get yeah, it back. That's, that's crazy. I mean, I guess on one hand it's like, it's good that it was pro most probably an external issue. And, um, even with, you know, all of your tabs and every, like your iCloud tabs and stuff, it seems like that's probably enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed the other day, oh, I did take a screenshot actually. It was like yesterday or something. Um, let's see. I was up to 32 gigs of memory free. So I was using half of 64, which I felt for me was a lot. So, I mean, Safari was only two gigs of that, but <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I think we were, we were kind of talking, I can't remember if it was this last time that this happened or whatever, but you know, everything, like you were saying, like every, is it every tab or every window of Safari makes a new sub process? So um, it, it's not that fine grain. Like Chrome will every tab it. Um, Safari will try to group like processes with or like websites or like tabs within the same process. Oh, okay. Um, so that way they can share resources. So anyway, you know, uh, Dimitri said, I think is the last time I brought this up, but like, you know, on his, on his, what was it? Your PowerBook G3, uh, that everything was fine iBook or iBook, sorry, iBook G3 that everything is fine with 256 you know, I think we're just... megabytes of RAM. <laughs> yeah, I think just in general we're a lot more liberal with memory usage. I mean, it's not like we're allocating memory usage and saying this is exactly how much I need. It's just kind of like, yeah, go go give me some memory. So, uh, yeah, interesting. I yeah. I'm. I get so okay. I, I gave you three weeks. I think was my guess to to break your memory. I didn't. Usage. And I didn't restart. I, no. So I, I had that going for me. It was a minor blip in. Uh, I know, and I'm saying that I don't think this counts because it's not really your fault. So uh, well, is it ever my fault? <laughs> I take offense. Yes, to obviously. That. <laughs> oh come on! It's all of your iCloud tabs. Of course, it's your fault. So yeah, I still have all those iCloud tabs on the and. And squared number of devices that are outside of that computer. Um, so far, like, so so good. Um, I guess the, the true milestone will be one month because the laptop I've needed to restart, like, after a month, um, uh -huh. regardless. Uh, so the true milestone will be at one month if uh, I feel like, Safari, like making a new window in Safari takes 10 seconds or anything above a second, I should say. That will yeah. be, like... Okay, RAM is not going to solve this issue, um, and uh, maybe I'll just go back to the laptop at that point uh, because I did lose a little sc uh, some screen space as a result of this transition, um, right. meaning the laptop screen, which was underneath everything. Uh, so um, 
yeah, I'm I'm not in particular need of the processing power. Um, I'm purely in need of the RAM resources, uh, and not necessarily for any individual like big computational thing. It's just having my brain scattered means lots of RAM usage and just your workflow. Yeah, that's just the way my brain works. Um, yeah. And it required a much less RAM usage when my brain was still my brain 20 years ago. Uh, but it seems like computers are, as you said, use RAM much more liberally um, mm-hmm. and don't mind wasting, or not necessarily wasting, but using resources judiciously. Uh, because yeah. like once a computer with a terabyte of RAM exists, like do you need to care as the developer? Exactly. No, you don't really need to care. Um, like the minimum something will have is like eight gigabytes. Like that's plenty. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a bit of a detriment to, uh, computing in general. And Mm -hmm. I hope that like there's some focus in the future to like use less and to be a little more judicious. Like you have the tools to know how much RAM you're using. Um, it's just identifying when you're using way too much, right? Yeah, I mean, you you just don't need to optimize. I mean, in my entire career, I've never really had to think about optimizing for memory usage ever. But I remember listening to Andrew Madsen working on, um, and uh, like an audio app. I can't remember which one, but it was when he was at Mixed in Key, and it was like he had to draw waveforms, but it was literally on like the iPhone three or four or something, and he just didn't have enough memory to you know fit all of the waveform drawing. Uh, or drawn waveforms or whatever. So, you know, spent months working on this optimization. It's just not something that, with what I'm doing, I have to worry about. And I think, you know, (laughs) probably even at Apple, there's a little bit of that going on. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember that deeply. And I think I'm, I'm very thankful. I grew into being a developer when the original iPhone, like, came Mm -hmm. out. Because that constraint of needing it to be one fast and performant on very slow hardware mm-hmm. makes made me learn all sorts of techniques that I insist on using today despite them not being necessary. And what that leads to is better battery life. If the computer is not doing anything right. that it like uh, high intensity, it's not to. going to run at a high clock speed and therefore it's going to save battery life. Um, so there's that. Um, and two, the memory usage like was severely constrained when I was building yeah. elements, which was a periodic table, I had to draw a whole bunch of little tiles on the screen. And guess what? If you zoomed, uh, the periodic table and you had a bigger element, that was now a larger image that took up way more Ram than anything else. So I had to like, okay, I can only show so many of these on screen at once. I'm not going to show any of the others. There's no such thing as a collection view um right so it's like all all hand done at that point and like you learn things as a result of those constraints uh so anyone who is doing development like you don't need to like subject yourself to doing this but i think it's a benefit to your users if you do pay attention to like how you're building and how you're architecting your app because it's impossible to fix afterwards you have to mm-hmm. think about this when you're building it um, and think about how many layers of abstraction and how much memory that could potentially use and what are the benefits to doing that versus having it on disk and swapping it in and out or having a memory map file, all sorts of things. Um, so that is something that 
uh, is a lot easier with Swift than it was with Objective C. Like nowadays, mm-hmm. with a memory mapped file, guess what? You can go ahead and directly map that to Swift structs, um, and you don't need to do any conversion as a result of that. You just have a bunch of objects that are now available to you. They're not reference types; they are value types. Um, types, yeah. and you can't do that with reference types because reference types, like it'll be somewhere else in memory. Right. Um, but with value types, you totally can, um, unarchive or archive stuff directly, just take the memory and put it on disc or vice versa. Yeah. And you have something nice and fast as a result of that. Um, but once we went through the switch going to Swift, like no one's talking about those kinds of techniques anymore because it's like, everything's fast enough. Your phone is faster than yeah. a computer. Um, thankfully now we finally have computers faster than our phones. Um, but like that took a while to get to, it was a little, yeah, ironic enough. Um, (laughs) so yeah, we've said it before, like performance still matters. Uh, even though I have 128 gigabytes, if I'm not doing anything computationally, I should not need 128 gigabytes to just splatter my brain on top of a screen into many different overlapping windows. Like, Yeah. They're better use of computing resources than me needing to just have everything haphazardly on a desk, right? Um, yeah. But this is the world we've come to, and I'm hoping this is a solution to being able to continue being me um, in terms of how I think and how I work, uh, rather than not. Yep. I don't know. I have issues. I already know that. <laughs> well, I, I really, I think the reason that you have, like, two jobs is just so you can, like, keep buying the next top tier apple product so it's it the only thing that, that pays for that's for certain yeah i'm just kidding no you're absolutely right like i would not dream of buying new hardware constantly if i didn't have the financial ability to do so right um yeah. and if it lets me do my work more effectively then it's worth it, it um, yeah it definitely facil- facilitates your work it's not mm-hmm. just like a for fun expense for sure i mean it is fun but i mean the fun expense is buying a new iphone every year that's completely like unnecessary at this point yeah Um, but you get that's true you get a new camera and that's the only like way that my camera is going to get better uh year over year and you're going to notice that in 10 years when you look at the pictures um that's always how it is right you're not taking the photos for now you're taking photos for uh 10 years from now when you're uh photo library is going to say hey remember this and then you're gonna be like oh and go through all those photos and be like these are horrible um and but this was like what was available at the time so it's like just the way it was um yeah, 320 so, by 480 yeah good quality or it's still 12 megapixels but it looks like jank um yeah looking forward to more than 12 megapixels apple i mean it's uh it, it's been how many years that we've been on 12 it's mm-hmm. been a while and I know a lot of people say, oh, you don't need... Like, if you look at photos on an iPad or on a Mac, they look like jank. Um, like, we need we need more than 12 megapixels just in terms of yeah. resolution. Uh, because we have so many pixels on larger devices. Like, on a phone, you don't notice. Um, but everywhere else, you kind of do. Yeah. Anyways. Bye, everyone. All right. See ya. <laughs>